I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch Mean Teens Doing Screams. doing the screams <laughs> i mean <laughs> i like this new system where i don't tell you the tagline until i just say it i love it's very exciting for me i love surprises uh i think everything should be a surprises mm-hmm. should be a surprises peter we got to record two podcasts tonight and i gotta tell you it's not starting great <laughs> <laughs> um so aaron you want to be starting something let's be starting with the name of our podcast uh yeah uh it's called uh bad uh, that, <laughs> that was on bad, right? Not thriller. Uh, probably. It was, it was definitely on one of them. Hold on, one. Hold on, one second. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I've never had anyone knock on the door while we're recording. Yeah, well, I I thought that your uh, dog just had was weighing in on whether one of you starting something was on thriller or bad. <laughs> no, it's bad. No. 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 <laughs> These idiots! It's on dangerous. <laughs> Is it on thriller? <laughs> That'd be a great trick you could train your dog with which is what michael jackson album is this song on if you get it wrong he goes (laughs) huskies are very smart and pedantic fucking podcast and just go on the road (laughs) (laughs) and a little peek behind the curtain if you will uh i've already spilled wine on my notes so we're off to a great start to this recording session oh it'd be way more appropriate for you to set your notes on fire and then your notes <laughs> come back five years later to murder you uh anyways we are we i think i'm to... pretty good i'm just yeah, gonna okay. let them chill in that river it's gonna be really hard to set them on fire now that they're wet the wedding <laughs> um, so where we love to watch it's a pete and aaron episode we are a movie podcast that picks a theme and covers four movies related to that topic this month's theme is summer camp movies and we're actually taking a subgenre for each entry so we did comedy with heavyweights we did no we did kids movies with heavyweights i guess it's also a comedy but the kids camp movie we did the documentary camp movie and now we're on to the horror camp movie with a little movie called The Burdening from 1981. And, you know, it's funny because when you talk about uh, the, like camp subgenres, uh, you know, comedy, a little sliver, kids camp movie, little sliver, documentary, just the one. Uh, and then <laughs> horror camp movies is like, that's a chunk. I, I think at least 30% of all 80s horror movies are set in camps. So we had a lot of options to choose from. There's an entire series, uh, maybe uh, some, some of you have heard it, Friday the 13th, that is entirely about slashers at a camp. There's another entire series about it called Sleepaway Camp. And, there's and like actually, Camp Nowhere. Camp Nowhere, Meatballs, What Happens When Bill Murray the- Isn't Funny. 
Um, yeah, Camp Nowhere, I assume I've never seen it. I assume it's about a vortex that sucks you into nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of camp horror movies. Uh, yeah, Sleepaway Camp was the obvious choice for this, but I really wanted to talk The Burning. I saw it for the first time in like Spooktober 2015, I think, and I really spooky. loved it. <laughs> Still spooking after all these years. <laughs> Still spooking after all these years. So that's something we need to do this year for Spooktober. We need a subtitle for all of our Spooktobers. We've now done three together, two on the podcast, Peter. This coming year, Spooktober 2018 will be tagline time still spooking after all these years sure i mean we could think of another one we have four months five months this time it's spooky personal spooks will keep us together (laughs) spooks spooks will keep us together yeah because it's gotta be a duet yeah spooks in the stream (laughs) (laughs) that is what you are we will spook each other Uh uh-huh you're a spooky superstar that is what you are (laughs) coming from afar to spook you (laughs) (laughs) oh man if i could only think of more duets we'd have more jokes but that's about it from a karaoke reference point yes seriously name one other duet peter Mm, let's duet from uh, <laughs> that was the that was, was on my in my <laughs> dreams I'm blowing you some spooks <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to spook <laughs> I definitely think the best the best parody songs have put no effort into being clever and just replace a word mm-hmm. each sentence <laughs> yeah um, so yeah camp horror is the biggest genre here. Even Wet Hot American Summer is a uh, mostly a parody of Slumber Sleepaway Party Camp. Sleepaway uh, Camp, excuse me, not Slumber Party Massacre. I, so yeah, we were going to do that, but that kind of fits in every and uh, in a lot of places because it is kind of a classic. <laughs> it fits in every month. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a batshit insane it's a movie. Musical. It's a it's a 1920s silent film. It's it's the German expressionism painting. Um, <laughs> it's the scream. It's it's Munks. Munk. Munk. Uh, Spooktober 2018. Munk, there it is. <laughs> Screaming back again. Check it, direct it. Ah! You better believe I put my hands on my cheeks for that gag. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Our podcast always, uh, physical jokes, is the best in podcast form. It's great that we're nine minutes off. We're not even ten minutes into this, and we are already off the rails. We're doing the burning. The bur- we're doing the burn. Well, we don't have an opening segment, so this is this is it. It's baby. Just- I'm burning for you. Shouldn't it be? I'm I'm spooking for you. <laughs> well, then I actually I actually found an appropriate song for the thing. Okay, by Blue Oyster Spooks. <laughs> uh, Blue Spooks are called. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Uh, how can we just keep topping ourselves every time? This is called Radio Magic. Uh, to quote, to quote a famous SNL skit, more spooky. Yep. Uh, also. <laughs> What is spooks? Baby, don't spook me. <laughs> don't spook me. No more. Making spooky. <laughs> We're too wild and crazy spooks. <laughs> Isn't that spooky? Sometimes when I get really nervous, I just put my arm fingers up here and I spook them really quick. <laughs> 
That was, that was, that was from Mary, Mary Catherine Spooks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scary enough. I'm spooky enough. And gosh darn it, people are scared of me. Hey, we're the Spookheads. I don't know our catchphrase, <laughs> but we were very popular in the 70s. <laughs> we're two wild and spooky guys. <laughs> Peter, you ignorant spook. <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. know. Okay. Wait, hold on. I'm going to try one more. Try one more. Okay. Swing, spook. Swing was tough to really translate. Swing, spook. Elvira, spooky be thy name. <laughs> okay, so we could do, so essentially we could do sleepaway camp a lot. This is probably the only month that makes sense to do the burning when we want to talk about burning. So. Uh, and Peter had never seen it. Never seen it. Not even the once. I can confirm because I monitor Peter every hour of the day. Not once did the burning come on his television. Yeah. So so we wanted to talk about the burning. Summer camp month. Summer spooks. Make Summer me feel spookiness. fine. <laughs> Blowing in the castle that's on fire. No, 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 no. Spook, 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 spook. <laughs> Summer spooking happens so fast. The best part about this, this is going to be one of those things that we do for three episodes. We'll be like, this is, it's our new bit. And then we're going to forget about it forever until like a year from now we re-listen to one of these. And we're going to be like, I'm not surprised that bit didn't take, to be honest. <laughs> tell we're me really more, tell it. me more. Like, did he have garden shears? <laughs> click, clip. Snip, snip. <laughs> okay, we're going to move on. I'd never seen The Burning before. Uh, yeah. And I was so happy that you made this. Oh, save it for the part of the podcast. I was so happy <laughs> that that Aaron interrupted me when I was trying to say one sincere fucking thing in this whole episode. This is a perfect choice for this month because I think we can figure out a Friday the, the 13th month later. Slumber Party Mass, or sorry, Sleepaway Camp can fit into all sorts of months. I, we, people have requested to do it for the show for like guest request month. It'll find its home. Uh, we have a plan for it later. Um, but uh, this one is just a kind of one-off. It didn't have a franchise afterwards like all of these other ones where there's like seven burning movies and it makes it more special because of that and we're going to talk about this once we get into it they were still kind of figuring out slasher movies so this is like my favorite time for slasher movies because it's really pre-formula it's when they were trying a bunch of stuff for the formula like obviously you know halloween had come out in 77 and then there's almost like a gap there's not too many slasher movies uh and then like friday the 13th is 80 well this is like 81 uh, and this kind of era where they're like doing like April Fool, like maybe we do weird stuff based on holidays, like Halloween, or maybe we have just a killer and then do a whole different camp thing around it, like the burning. It feels like before they became just a, a formula. So you get some horny teens, you have a killer, you have like a mystery usually, and then that's about like who's doing it, and and that's your slasher movie, and. They still were figuring out the rules of the slasher movie and figuring out, like, the boundaries. And so you ended up with, like, awesome movies like April Fool's Day and The Burning, where them attempting to rip off but not realizing where, uh, the like, the mainstream direction was going led to this, like, really cool one-off that really doesn't follow any formula that came later. And uh, this this movie... 
I feel like uh, is is sort of a brother movie to My Bloody Valentine, which is a movie that I'm not, not pushing, I'm now pushing Aaron to to watch because it feels a very uh, of a similar ilk. Um, because Let me ask a question: it, Do people die in it? Yes. <laughs> Do you have any more questions or? Seems pretty similar to me already. <laughs> oh, but uh, My Bloody Valentine is very similar in Great. the sense that same year, um, it's it's also, yeah, it, they both are, are uh, these sort of bastard children of these these franchises where at first you're like, eh, that's just ripping off Halloween. It's just ripping off Friday the 13th. But this was before the formula was truly set in stone. Yeah. And like. Horror slashers got really boring, actually, like, later in the 80s. Yep. These movies are trying to figure out their own shtick, their own thing. They all have their own weird little twists, like, even unsuccessful ones, like, uh, New Year's Evil isn't that great, but it refuses to be a Halloween ripoff. It's got its yeah. own little weird thing. And, and The Burning, one of the things it does is it's just extremely competent in a way that I think think makes it excel above the movies that it often is is called a ripoff of not halloween halloween i think is the best slasher of this era but but the burning is i was very impressed with it and i I like it a lot more than any of the friday the 13th movies i've seen and it almost feels like that there were so many of these these kind of like ripoff movies in the early 80s where everyone's like oh i got what's popular and everyone's like runs with it and a bunch of people went in different directions and then everyone like looked back like you guys following me with the burn and then everyone's like oh you guys are going that way okay <laughs> well we'll course correct for the next movie that we're going to produce and make it more in line with this but everyone knew that they were off to the races but no one knew which direction um the finish line was and once they figured that out and everyone started running in the same direction you're right got boring those kind of like 81 82 83 slasher movies are so great because everyone knew this was an easy formula but no one had quite figured out how to make like repeatable bankable hits yet and and the thing about it is that from an outside perspective from a trailer perspective all these fucking movies look the same because a lot of them also were cut by the same people Um, because major studios were being like, well, we can't just have one Friday the 13th style movie. Let's also have, yeah, our April Fool's Day or our prom night or whatever. Like they would throw in other movies into the into the production slate because they were like, there's not enough horror movies to fill this massive vacuum. Now that people want their big, gory, gushy horror movies that cost very little to make and we just cast hot teens in the roles. Really hot 20-year-olds, but we'll get to that. Um, but well, and also, they a lot of times they seem similar because uh, Tom Savini did the makeup effects in about 97 <laughs> Yes, Tom Savini <laughs> was everywhere in the 80s. Like, if you know, like, two special effects people's names you should know stan winston because he did every major sci-fi movie in the 90s uh and then tom savini who in the 70s and 80s was just like a madman like he couldn't stop working um the execution is really what matters here yeah like i said from a trailer these all look the fucking same but but the execution matters and in this the execution is pretty masterful for something that like looks like a cheapie and by a director Tony Grayman? I forget his name. Tony, Tony Layman? More like Tony Layman, man. <laughs> this is the only good movie he's made. I'm not I'm, I'm not really... Uh, uh, Tony Maylam. Let's see what he else he's done. Uh, Tony Maylam. Oh, what about Split Second? 
You know, it's always you know they had a good career when their their filmography says partial filmography. It's like we didn't really put much effort. These are the ones we knew off the dome. <laughs> <laughs> We're not researching. Yeah, uh, only five of his uh, eleven movies have links. One of them doesn't even have capitalized letters. <laughs> yeah, for, the, for his last movie. So uh, Split Second is the only other one that has a link, and that was a. Uh, I mean, this looks pretty cool. Rucker Hauer. I like Rucker Hauer. I like d- dystopias. Yeah. Oh, so the, even the director is someone who doesn't have like a large body of work that you can really, you know. What about look the at. writers and producers? Um, they do anything? Of the writers, the producers might have done a few things. And no, wait, here, let me look up. Um, it says, um, uh, big time monsters. What does it say? Big time rape monsters. Oh, it was made by Rape Monsters. Oh. Or Rape Monster and his buddy. No, uh, and actually we'll talk about that oh, in a second yeah. because the the story's by Harvey Weinstein. It says created and produced by Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. He is a... He, and the screenplay's by small, Bob Weinstein. Yes. He's a not small part of it and I I will compliment the writing in the, in the movie despite... The fact that Harvey is a confirmed monster and Bob is an enabler of monsters, and maybe mon- I think he's I, th- I think there were some accusations against him as well. Um, yes, but yeah, here's yeah, what else yeah, is weird: maybe. all of the men in this and the women in this movie, it almost reflects what they probably imagine their relationship with women to be like. So it is very bizarre. Yes, this is this is sort of a flip side of we did Repulsion for our second episode um, of the show ever. Um, this kind of reminds me of look that, it up. And that there's a lot of interesting gender stuff in this about men being assholes, about not respecting women. And it's got a lot of sensitivity towards women and their feelings and like mm, I disagree. How, how women look at gender. There's like a lot of sensitivity in here. Really? And it's not like repulsion that's specifically about that. But like there's a lot of stuff that's written into here that is not seen in most slasher movies. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I actually see it as more like the way uh, a rapist views how women think. Like, I think it's, I, I think it's coming from the perception of, so like the, a lot of the women are like almost like playing hard, like a, a male's version of playing hard to get. Like, I like you. Oh, I guess I don't like you. And it's like, I'm just confused by your signals, baby. And then it's like, okay, I guess I really do like you. So it's a, like, so it's like it's almost like a lot of the female characters are excusing a lot of the like assaulty harassing stuff by like by then like kind of be but kind of overall being okay with it, which seems to me like almost through the lens of like what a someone who assaults and harasses women would like think how women really are like they do want it but sometimes they just don't know if it's okay to accept it and so they play this little dance like that's how like all the women are written in this movie i i i disagree i disagree but i mean it is an 80 slasher movie so like some of this stuff is is us projecting our own kind of stuff on it um but i don't think any either of us is going to come out pro rape on this one do you want to talk about the burning <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> yeah let's keep talking about the burning
five second recap. Five second recap. Or wait, um, alternate taglines. Where I just traveled. Uh, I hope you don't mind, because uh, I just traveled back in time. <laughs> we'll be back in spooks. Um, uh, is that a stroke? Uh, anyways. <laughs> I, I bet you did. Um, so, yeah, alternate taglines, pea pie. Bring a mopsy, it's cropsy. Okay. Not great. Um, how about the burning? More like the shrinkage. <laughs> George is getting stabbed. <laughs> okay, I got, I got one. Hey, hey, kid. You want to see Fisher Stevens Tate? <laughs> <laughs> you want to see Fisher Stevens before he came out as Indian? Uh, he, I mean... You do get to see his taint in this movie, so if you're you just just a taste of the taint, it's like it's full taint. <laughs> it's not partial taint. So if your no judgments, but if your sexual fantasy is seeing a twenty year old Fisher Stevens taint, good luck find another fucking movie that's gonna show it. So maybe get your ass out of bed, and go buy this movie. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I think that was a long uh, yeah, tagline. So the whole thing was the tag. <laughs> so, uh, um, so we we uh, we, uh, we open with a little bit of a little bit of a backstory. Peter, Peter I am quick recap. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, no mystery in this movie. Uh, this alcoholic janitor who works at a camp gets a prank pulled on him by alcoholic, like a, maybe pedophilic janitor. Really, I didn't get the pedophilia thing. Yeah, it's sort of implied. One of the lines by that the ghost says, story like, that he won't bo- he won't bother us anymore. There's like certain line. There's a certain line the guy says oh. that basically that this guy was not only like physically abusive, but maybe also sexually abusive. I don't know. Oh, I just thought uh, they just didn't like the like it was just kids being mean to like a janitor. Mm. Also possible. I mean, a lot of <laughs> some summer camps. Like he's not going to bother us anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> especially some of these that, summer camps are for just rich kids to go play while their yeah. parents. They're like, oh, we don't have children anymore. We paid a lot of money to make sure we didn't have children for the next three months. See ya. But but I think it is. I think it is. Uh, I think it is. They, they hate Cropsey. And it's also part of the Cropsey legend is that Cropsey was maybe someone who preyed on children for uh, you know, sexual reasons. Uh, yeah. So that could be there, or again, just rich kids. A lot of different. It could, it could be either way. <laughs> Regardless, it, the, what their action matters more than anything. Yeah. So he, they just put a like a skull and or a skull human skull with some candles in there. He freaks out. He kicks it and then sets himself on fire. Uh, and the kids are like, "We gotta get out of here." <laughs> um, Let's and, go, and, Freddy. And then they do uh, like a Yogi Bear and Boo Boo, uh, <laughs> the like circling like propellers, and then they run away. Uh, <laughs> so then he they go. He goes to the hospital with the least sensitive doctor of all time. Was like, gross. Uh, you seen this shit? You seen this shit? Do you remember the orderly? Yeah, no. And then he's like, get out! Like once he sees it, he's like, ew. He's got all these burned. Uh, so then you flash forward five years, and they're like, I think the funniest scene of a movie was some funny scenes, but I was dying at like very eighty setup, which was like, okay, just remember, hey. 
It's been five years. Don't go back and hurt those kids now. They just go on and you live your life. It's like, look, if you are like wheeling the patient out and be like, please, just whatever you do, don't get right out of this chair and go kill those kids. Maybe <laughs> give them another week in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so then he, Cropsy gets out and he immediately uh, finds a lady of the evening. Uh, and then when she is like... Also not psyched about the way he looks. He kills her. Um, seems to go to mur- – like for patiently going through some sort of like physical therapy and recovery for five years to immediately get out and be like, well, I guess I'm murdering prostitutes now. Um, <laughs> feels like he should have just got out earlier if he's just going to go on a murderous rampage. Why take the time to work on yourself, Peter? He really liked the paperwork aspect of it. He liked the idea that someone said, you know – you're free to go, buddy. They didn't do much. From what you can see, like, in five years, like, nothing healed. <laughs> I uh, it was because nurses kept fainting every time they were going to go and fix him up. Yeah, the doctor kept walking. That's what he was waiting for. It was like a Lucy football situation on peanuts. Like, <laughs> he's like, one of these days, the doctor's going to come in and not get grossed out and run away. And after five years, he's like, I guess I just got to admit defeat. Admit yeah. that no doctor's going to look at any of these wounds. I got to pack up my garden shears and... Take the lonesome road myself. And then the Incredible Hulk theme plays. <laughs> He's walking <laughs> on the streets with his crispy thumb held out. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, so, then you flash forward to the camp. And so, one thing I couldn't quite tell, and I think this is true. This is absolutely kind of a weird camp movie in that almost no one besides a couple people are, like, camp counselors. Yet there's, like, kids, like, in elementary school age and also high school age. Like, our protagonists, for the most part, are not counselors. They're just, like, other kids at the camp. So you end up having um, to be able to have, like, the high school kids at camp, but without a lot of the responsibilities that was usually placed on them in, like, Friday the 13th movies because they were all the counselors. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, so they... You got a ragtag group of people. You got Fisher Stevens, Fisher Stevens Taint. You got George <laughs> from Seinfeld. You got a couple of New York guys. A shrinkage. And then you have Holly Hunter in a essentially a non-speaking role. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's not a, it's, it's, it's an ignominious uh, sort of reveal for someone that would become a pretty big actress. Yeah, and then you uh, have a few other people who didn't do anything, both men and women. But they're all at this camp, and you, you spend a long time with them at the camp, getting into hijinks, playing pranks, being kind of rapey. Pretty rapey. Pretty, super rapey. Oh, yeah. There's basically one consensual sexual relationship in this whole movie. And that is, that, well, a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I know who you're talking about now. The, 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 the guy that actually is a counselor with... The, the, the two counselors, right. the senior counselor, yeah. the, the boyfriend yeah. and girlfriend, Tom and... Jane or whatever the fuck her name is. Yeah, this movie. There's a lot of characters. Yeah, this movie's tons of characters, which is great because a lot of them are going to die all at once. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think they're pretty well drawn for. I think they're pretty well drawn for. Uh, absolutely. For for what happens when they they die, I, you actually know who they are by the faces. It's just there's tons of characters. It's only an hour and twenty eight minute movie, and it's fifty minutes before. Uh, the first murder, and it's about an hour and like five minutes before people realize that murders are happening. So you just have a ton of camp scenes without much 
lurking presence of a killer. Yeah, it's it's like forty five minutes into the movie before the killer really gets up to Todd. To is that his name? Who's who's Todd and Todd? I looked up Todd and Michelle are the leads. Um, no, who's the really shitty? Um, yeah, it is Todd. Well, Glazer is the shitty, the the blonde, muscly no, dude. No, well, he's shit. There are a lot of shitty people, but like, so Todd though, like, who's like the kind of the nerdy protagonist? He really makes everyone uh, hate him at the beginning because he goes and like harasses women showering and then oh that's runs- alfred oh that's alfred. alfred sorry alfred yeah todd is the senior guy todd Got and michelle it. are together and, and 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 todd stands up for this is the problem this is the problem when all of the pictures on imdb are just the little icon of no picture yes <laughs> um, <laughs> so todd and todd and uh, todd is a. Uh, defends alfred to michelle and michelle's like get this kid the fuck out of here he's creeping on the girls like being creep and michelle is 100 percent right this kid yeah. should not be there he's creeping on girls he made one of the girls extremely uncomfortable and then todd uh steps in he's like let's give him one more chance yeah like well, alfred is a really piece of yeah because he's like well they're bull everyone's bullying me so i decided to uh, yes, Alfred's to, a really interesting character from that perspective. He's, he's like, the worst. But you know, but the interesting thing is because of the opening, you know he's not the killer. You just know he's another fucking creep. <laughs> well, that's so. That's one area where this separates. Like, but so many of these movies are based on like which one of these people that you get to know is the killer, right? Sleepaway which comes camp, from the, like, it comes from the slasher's mystery roots. Yeah, the ten little Indians or yeah, the Giallos. And that really became a very basic part of, like, you either had, like, um, a Jason or a Freddy, like, a named character that eventually people were kind of rooting for, or you basically had a mystery. And this one is like, no, it's the guy that burned everyone. Or that it's, it's, <laughs> it's the guy who got burned terribly and now has basically, like, was shouted as he walks away from the hospital, don't kill those kids, please! Um, <laughs> and he, of course, is going to kill those kids, but he doesn't show up. It's not like there's all these little things where, like, people start disappearing or you see little um, stuff. It's not till uh, I think Alfred, yeah, goes back for the nudie magazines or Fisher Stevens' character. Sorry, Fisher Stevens' character goes back. There's, like, a little, like... Threat, and that's like forty minutes into the movie. So you do get to know all these kids, and eventually they go on a big canoe trip. And it's when they go on a this big canoe trip that um, everyone's trying to fuck uh, the night of the canoe after when they're all camping from the canoe trip. So in this like unconsensual pressured fucking, eventually one of them gets killed. Or two of them get killed. Yeah. But then uh, the killer, Cropsey, sinks all the canoes. Or takes all the canoes. Uh, and so everyone's like, shit, uh, clearly, what, whatever that guy's name tried to rape Michelle. And so she left with all the canoes. And he's like, look, I didn't pressure you into nothing. That's not uh, Glazer. That's the other New York guy. That is, yeah. That's the other guy. He's like, all I wanted was a big pizza Eddie. pie. His name Eddie. A fast guy, Eddie, who is, uh, apart from the uh, homicidal murderer, the worst person in this movie. Alfred's not great either, but Eddie's also shit. Uh, Ed- Al- Alfred was Alfred was was a uh, voyeur, which is bad. Eddie was actively trying to True. pressure a woman into sex, and when but, she turned him down, but so he was, was like, You better walk away before I hit you. Yes, Glazer was like 
Alfred, Eddie, and Glazer are in a three-way tie for, like, the worst fucking people. Anyway. There's a lot of toxic men in this movie, and I think the movie is pretty aware of the fact that they're gross. And it takes steps Mm. to make them look pathetic and gross. That's where we disagree a little. I think it is supposed to... Because eventually all of the women relent, though. Yeah, women relent because they fear male violence or so yeah but i pro- i don't i don't think that pressure it's i don't not women think... if a woman relents it doesn't mean that it's a good act a woman might relent for a hundred bad reasons that all have to do with a shitty power dynamic yeah that's true in general but specifically in this movie the women are like i just thought you'd been with too many people so but i always really liked you and secretly did want to have sex with you so in this movie specifically it is a like and I, I hate using this phrase, but this like the women in this movie are kind of like, oh, they did secretly want it the whole time. So but that's they but they don't but they don't with <clears throat> whenever the only time this ever comes to fruition is uh, Glazer and his girlfriend. And I only know Glazer because they say his name a fucking hundred. Glazer. Glazer. Because he's a he's a bully. He's an asshole. He's got a big personality and they make fun of him a lot in the movie. Like he gets shot in the ass with a BB gun and he gets embarrassed by his girlfriend and then his girlfriend's friends push him off a raft because they're like, just go away. Like this constant pressure is really like pathetic and gross. And then later in the movie, he's putting the pressure on her and she's like, interested but he's going way too fast for her yeah and she's she's saying no she's not interested in him and then he pressures her into saying yes also with the promise like this is gonna be really good and then he comes in three seconds and then she is fucking pissed like that when it finally does come to fruition the guy gets one of the most humiliating things that can happen to you when you actually do like consummate a relationship with somebody that's the second most humiliating thing i think uh you know the the first one but uh yep. the, that sort of like humiliation of glazer i think really points to the movie's the movie's lack of empathy for these creepy men uh yeah but like both of them <sighs> Both both of the women do eventually say like uh, when when Eddie gets um, I think Michelle's her name into to go skinny dipping like that's the conversation of that she always secretly did like him she just was scared to act on it like so it's not like a so I'm saying through the prism of who wrote this fucking movie and the fact that <laughs> actors and the fact that actresses yeah. came out and said oh after the wine said stuff no they were harassing us on the set of this too like it goes back Ugh. a long way it's it's very hard not to see this written from like this movie was written from the perspective from the perspective of a actual real life rapist and all of these women are like they play hard to get and they say no but then they eventually are like i secretly always wanted it which is like the rapist fantasy so it's hard for me to be like i agree in general with your point but i think like in this movie specifically especially through that prism which is, you know, extra textual information, but like, yeah, it is like, it, it, oh, I see, I see what they were writing here because that is how Harvey wants. Like, you hear those tapes of like him, like really believing that these these women are just like playing hard to get and secretly do like him and secretly do want this stuff from him, and like that's how the women in this movie are drawn to both Glazer and Eddie. Uh, so it's again, it's hard for me to be like. Yeah, it makes them look shitty and has some interesting things to say about sexual, like, politics. It is kind of like, 
No, this is like how rapists think. They think that these but, women secretly do want to have sex with them. They just like societal pressure or these other concerns is like these fake concerns that they need to be like talked out of. But I think that if you're going to say that this movie is somehow um, a revelation into the mindset of the filmmaker, which is always hard, you know, um, and that, you know, the director didn't really derail that sort of vision. It's well, they really were also producers. Whether, I mean, they. Yeah. Yes. But my point is, my point is this. It is hard to say, and this is both against my point and against your point. <laughs> it is hard to say whether or not the movie from an extra textural perspective is the director, the producer, the creator saying, you know, maybe being performative about their their gender stuff, which we've seen, you know, people on the yeah. left be really creepy before. And sometimes they're very performative about like women's rights stuff. And it's and it's even more tragic at that point because it kind of undermines the movement. Is it or is it be um, them working through some sort of shame or guilt about the creepy way they act? Uh, or is it C, just a straight up and like just a depiction of how they think women are treated or how they think women should be treated. Or, like, is, or is, D, or, that they think that all women secretly want it. You just need to kind of talk them into it. And I think that there's, I think, I think that, that is evidence there. within the, I think there's evidence within the text to back up any of these. I just, I just think when I was watching it, even knowing Weinstein is in there because it's the opening credits, his name is both Bob and Harvey were in the, fucking opening credits all over the place their fingerprints are all over this movie in a way that i did not know until i started the movie i for i honestly forgot um when we picked this it was only when i was doing research and like saw the movie again i was like oh fuck yeah that's right this was like their like early baby but it works out with the what I think is cool about this movie. So let, let me finish the it plot. Works because I, 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 because I think the, the movie oh, is – But I think it works out with what I think is cool about this movie, which is I think that there's some very interesting sort of uh, gender dynamic stuff going on in terms of depiction and that the movie is uh, very has – a, has a lot of condemnation for the creepiness of it, of its of its male uh, protagonists in the yeah. movie. So, so yeah, go on with your with the recap. But, like, this is just such an interesting movie for something that, like, a lot of these slashers are just like, wasn't it cool when Jason put the knife in the place with the or, thing? Or, or you're just counting, like, death scenes. And this movie does not have that many, like, cool death scenes. It has very, like, visceral, violent death scenes with some impressive makeup effects. But it's not like – Oh, and then, like, the it's not a bunch of uh, Rube Goldberg devices that, like, a lot of these slashers kind of um, turned into with who could do the coolest kill. Like, Saw they, really affected Yeah, they, they are still really going, well, but that was also the Jason and Freddy movies, too. Like, trying to think of more creative ways to kill people where this really still sees the killing as, like, not like, oh, crazy! As, like, oh, no, this is horrifying. But I, here's here's one thing to your point that the the sexual dynamics in this movie are not that far removed from countless other 60s, 70s, 80s, 40s, 30s, 90s uh, movies in the way they kind of depict, like, uh, a lot of them anyways, uh, you know, women secretly like resistance uh, to advances is just like a natural defense that needs to be overtaken, uh, which is very common. So obviously you could say one of two reasons. One, because there is a ton of shitty men who think that way that wrote these movies or or B, kind of a little bit to your point that, yeah, this 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 thing that we saw in The Burning that we know was written by 
at least one rapist, and I forget what the charges are against Weinstein, so either a enabler or a rapist himself as well. Like, yeah, either he buried it and he wasn't an per- active participant in terms of, like, the acts, or he just let it happen. He knew what was going on. There's just way too many incidents going on, yeah. and he set up a lot of them. Like, Bob, Bob is complicit in the crimes. Yeah. Whatever oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, he's definitely. At a, at a minimum, he's an enabler. At a minimum. Yeah, absolutely. But it is one of those things like, what does that say about all the other movies that have the exact same sexual dynamics between men and women and teens and stuff like that? If they like mimic the way that uh, men and women dynamics were written by like two rapists or whatever. So anyways, uh, so the plot recap is so they're at the canoe trip. They think the that Michelle has just left, and then so they they build a makeshift raft, and in the best scene in the movie, about like eight of the characters that we've gotten to know pretty well are all rowing uh, back to the shore to try to find the canoes because they just assume Michelle took them back to the camp, and they approach one of the canoes, and they're like they think everyone's goofing uh, that <laughs> they're a, just having a laugh, having a little goof. Oh, you you guys are just laying in the canoe, and then. Then uh, Cropsey pops up in a great shot silhouette, him with the shears, and he kills everyone on this raft. And it's, that's – it's amazing. It's it's not only the best scene in the movie in terms of like pure technical skill. It's one of the best scenes in horror movies ever. Like even if you don't like the characters in this movie, you should seek out – the whole movie just to get to that point and realize like they were taking characters you actually care about and then just in a burst of violence killed ever yeah killed like it's half so the cast cool. it's amazing and like very viscerally and i remember being so shocked the first time i saw it because i can't think of another movie that does this the whole point of slashers is one by one taking out the characters that you have gotten to know superficially or deeply and then, like, be affected by that. The idea of a movie waiting an hour plus and then killing off half the cast in one fell gruesome swoop is so different than anything else that I've ever seen. So um, so from there, it's, it, it's hard for the movie not to go down a little. But they, like, they, they find all the people dead on the raft. They, they end up going back to the camp and are like trying to convince everyone holy shit like everyone's dead uh and then it the last 10 minutes is a not my favorite where they're just kind of playing like a little cat and mouse game in a barn um and uh everyone's kind everyone that's still around is trying to like either find alfred or find cropsy and and stop him and then um in a grisly fate they do stop him and then you see cropsy's face and i gotta tell you kind of it's pretty burnt it's not doing too hot. No, that's the problem. It got way too hot, Peter. That's the problem. <laughs> have you ever been drunk and put a pizza in the oven, like a frozen pizza in the oven? And yeah. I, this is a fall asleep that I can guarantee you've had. Yep. And then you either wake up because there's smoke in your house or in the morning you wake up and you're like, oh, I, I cooked a pizza at 300 degrees for uh, eight hours. So, yep, that's uh, yeah, that's you're only cooking your frozen pizzas at 300. <laughs> I mean, that's a problem. I, I don't know. I've made a frozen pizza in so long. I don't even remember the number. Oh, 425? Depends on the pizza, but it's usually either 400 or 425. What about a Red Baron? Red Baron's 400. 16 okay, minutes. That's, okay. I'm Rain Man for pizza times. Yeah. <laughs> Name a brand. Um, I'll tell you what the temperature is <laughs> and how long you cook it. Once I started making pizza, I stopped buying frozen pizza. And now I usually have a leftover frozen pizza at the beginning or leftover extra pizza at the beginning of the weekend that – 
I don't have to actually like cook it. I can either eat it cold or throw it in for like five minutes. So I've told you this before. My favorite pizza over homemade or delivery or like a restaurant that has it is frozen. A wild man. I'm a wild man. You're a wild man. Do you you even put like anything on it? What do you mean? Like a hot sauce, a jardinera. It comes with stuff on it, like cheese and tomato sauce and (laughs) pepperoni. I usually, I get sick of eating regular frozen pizza, so I usually end up putting some, some, yeah, hot sauce or Chicago-style jardinera if I have it as an option. Don't like either of those things. I kind of, personally, I kind of see it as like my assault lick. (laughs) 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 Like, it's not even something I necessarily, like it's, do animals enjoy licking salt? Hard to say. Salt taste can taste good, but at this point, it's just like an action that rewards them in some way. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a it's a repetitive thing that you've been doing for years, and it you're feels like, good. You can always go back to that that particular mine. So when you're so when you're you're drunk, you're setting up your little pizza. You burn the shit out of it. That's Cropsy's face. Yeah, probably not the morning after one. Um, probably like the, the, you know, 20 minutes later, you like shake yourself out of bed and you're like, I, I forgot something. And then you're just wandering around your apartment trying to figure out like, what did I forget? <laughs> another, like, oh, yeah. another common touch point is if you've ever, uh, had anyone in your life that's been set on fire, it probably looks a lot like that. Oh yeah. Cropsy uh, <laughs> as a person that's been set on fire, looks like a person who's been set on fire. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the burning. We actually, we don't usually, that is not a quick recap. We actually knocked out some very important bullet points and that's fine because we, we were excited. It's a fun we're excited. movie. So let's, let's get something else out of the way really quick. We didn't, we mentioned it, we've alluded to it, but, uh, Jason Alexander's in this movie and he sure is. Jason Alexander He's, he's so in this movie. He's basically <laughs> playing Red from Shawshank. He's the guy that can get you anything. Yes. Um, he has no romantic relationships of any kind. Uh, he is just – he's just a wheeler deal. He's a friend with everyone. He makes the peace. He he really is just the guy from prison. He also – great set of hair. That fell apart quickly because this was 81 and then the first season of Seinfeld's 88. So, seven years can really take a turn on a man. And I'm aware of it. I'm worried about it. And it also made me think of the Seinfeld where someone had seen him ten years ago and didn't recognize him. And they're like, man, you really went bald. And he's like, I'm aware. (laughs) Also, we should also mention. No one can yell like George Costanza. No one can yell. I'm aware. <laughs> you can't do it. You sound like Cookie Monster or you're just not hitting it. It's impossible. It's like doing a good Bob Odenkirk. Yes, I was thinking know? the Bob yeah. Odenkirk. God damn it. Like yeah. you can't do it the perfect way. It always sounds affected where yes. for those two, it always sounds perfectly natural when they're yelling. Um, so this also shares a title with an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, oh, because Seinfeld was always the. Yeah. So it's, there's one called the, uh, if you didn't know, Peter, it's called The Burning. Uh, is that the movie? No, the it's so it's an episode of Seinfeld. It's the one where Kramer uh, is pretending to have gonorrhea <laughs> for the medical students. Yes, yeah. Uh, and so that when I think of the burning, I still think of that episode of Seinfeld because I was like a lot of people, kids. Some of the 90s kids will 90s kids will remember they watch a lot of Seinfeld. And yeah, so I always thought about that. Um, I do have one George line. I don't know if you wrote any. 
We didn't talk about it, but I, I need to say this and then we can move on. George likes his burning spicy. <laughs> I just imagine Costanza say, saying, George, wears his shirt in the pool? <laughs> I, was George... in the, I was in the lake getting murdered. <laughs> <laughs> He's dying, but his pants have fallen yeah. off. And <laughs> you, do get, you do get to see his butt. Yes, yes. But you don't get to see uh, the taint. You don't get the full Fisher. You don't get the full you, Fisher Stevens. You don't get the full Fisher Stevens. Down at the docks. Um, future Indian American Fisher Stevens. Um, I can only I, think. Are of you going to explain? Fucking, are you going to explain this reference? In the short circuit movies, he did brownface. Oh, I I saw the short circuit movies. Well, I saw 50% of them, and it was a long time ago. <laughs> and it's incredibly offensive, okay. and I, I can't let it go because, like, Fair. his accent is, like, is like really studied because apparently he, like, went is it to Ameri- Is it American, like, Native American, uh, indigenous person, Sorry. or is it, or is like, it like- Southeast, Southeast Asian, Asian Indian, okay. like, the country of India. Yeah, okay. That's um, what I, I hoped you were referring to. Yeah, no, he- I'm sorry that this reference flew over your head. I didn't mean to sound offensive. I mean that Fisher Stevens was a few years later going to play an Indian man. Again, in a now, way, I mean, in a now- way, but like, I thought the actor maybe came out and like announced he was Native American. <laughs> no, like an no. Elizabeth Warren situation. No, he he actually like went to India and spoke to people and studied like <clears throat> the way they talked and everything, and then came back and then did an Indian uh, an Indian impression. And I think Aziz Ansari or somebody was like tricked by it as a child. Like he was, oh, like, thought yeah, he was I actually Indian. But like it just shows you how like it just shows you how weird and awful brown faces that like. <laughs> <laughs> like they they went out of their way. He flew to India. He went to India to imitate a particular group of people that there are many of in America and were probably looking for work. <laughs> uh yeah, you know, when he was over there studying, he should have studied the most important question where he asked people, Hey, should I do this or <laughs> no? No? Oh, okay. <laughs> I went over to India to see if I should play a racist character of their entire culture, and they said no. So, based on my research, I won't be in the movie. Um, really quick research. I didn't even get off the plane. I'm going to do – no. No. Oh, okay. I, I, Fisher Stevens is a, is a very fun actor. He seems like a very nice guy. He's also very apologetic for what he did, so I didn't mean to call him out like this, but this is something that I needed to explain to you piece by piece because we we're never going to do Short Circuit 2 on the show. So, <laughs> so yeah. The, so, the yeah, burning. So, the burning. I, I, didn't ha- I, don't have any, I don't have any history with the movie. Uh, Eric, right. do you, what's your history with the, the, this, old, this old film? I saw it Spooktober 2015. Still haven't found what I'm spooking for. <laughs> Still haven't found what I'm spooking for. How to dismantle a spooky bomb. (laughs) Where the spooks have no name. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you turn into a spooky tree. You lose your personal identity and just get referred to as a spook. Uh, yeah, so I notes. I guess what do we what do we have? Um, <laughs> yeah, wait. Well, so my first one. Why can't anyone in this movie dive? 
Um, I don't know. Everyone does the everyone does the thing that I do when I've been drinking and I'm at a pool where you put your your hands forward and then you just kind of jump off the pier. Um, nobody actually dives. No, and it's like a it's the belly flop, and you could have done two, one of two things. One. Take had another take, very common on movie sets. Not trying to inside baseball you on how movies work, but it's not like a documentary that just films all the time. You can just do it again. What? Uh, yep. No, I. It hasn't come up on our podcast yet, but Peter, yeah, movies. They sometimes they do uh, multiple takes and then they use the best one. Another thing they could have done when they realized right. that's like lying. Yeah. Oh, movies are essentially a lie. What? So think of like a movie. Why are we like, doing this show? Like Lincoln, didn't happen. Yeah. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, I mean that that one specifically did, but not with Daniel Day Lewis. That's just a guy <laughs> who lives now. He did not free the slaves. A man named oh. Abraham Lincoln did. Tommy Lee Jones, however, was involved pretty heavily. I've sent a lot of confusing letters to Daniel Day Lewis. And a lot of appropriate letters to Tommy Lee Jones. Hey, Tommy Lee came through in the end. <laughs> Unlike Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. Yeah, no. Didn't he, really come through. He came a lot, but not through. Not through. <laughs> more more in and around. <laughs> the best part about this is we have a whole nother episode to record tonight. So when you guys hear that one at the end of July, it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> just, you're not going to know which one, but just FYI, based on how this is going. Uh, um, I just poured the last of a bottle of wine into a glass. So we'll get a new one. Can't be tired. Uh, so, uh so, yeah, so the other thing they could have done, though, of course, is just not constantly showing people dive if they were that bad at, like, maybe mm-hmm. jumping feet first in the water. I don't know. Maybe Rainstorm it's about a specific diving camp that was for people that are very bad at diving. But also, it's to be honest, like we don't know what the camp's about. It's like the camp from heavyweights. Like, it's a fat camp, but, like, they're not really losing any weight. Maybe it's one of those uh, fat camps where fat represents people of all shapes and sizes. Wow. That's pretty cool. I think we learned something today. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, actually, what do you think of the ending? Because like, do you feel like it's when they kill half the cast in one swoop? That's what I the movie does kind of, like, fall into a lot of the common, to this day, slasher tropes, where it's like little cat and mouse game in the barn. It almost felt like a budgetary constraint just by how open the rest of the movie had been and with so many people. But it is, like... I get that it's going to be hard to top that uh, that moment, but the ending is kind of like, okay, yeah, now they're just chasing him in a barn. But but no one else – does anyone else die? Uh, but, really? but there's a lot of fun little subversions in the barn. Okay. Like the, the – No the, cows. The flame, the you normally flame. find them in a barn. <laughs> no, no cows here. No cows here. <laughs> Hey, hey, the only no hey here place is, hey, stop no trying to stab me. Go. <laughs> a place with no cows. No cows. <laughs> a place where no cows go. Yeah, it's the Arcade Fire song. Yeah. Um, I was doing the YouTube thing, figured we kind of mash them up, just kind of see. see what, was, what, was, what was yours again? Go back. Um <laughs> Where the barns have no cows. Um, <laughs> Great. So, Way better uh, in the barn, though, there's a couple fun subversions because, um, like, for instance, uh, Cropsy is coming around with, like, a flamethrower. Yeah, that's true. 
And the flamethrower and the flamethrower dies on him and he gets all frustrated and that gives the our hero the chance. Like it's a really fun bit of of suspense and then subversion because you think like our hero is going to have to either dodge past a flamethrower or run away or maybe get burned a little bit. Like you'd never expect the flamethrower to just short out on this like weird feral burned man who's just out for revenge against teens generally. Here's the other thing. I mean, Cropsy's not exactly a role model. But it's always a good thing when someone takes the thing that hurt them and starts using it for good to better their own life. It's so true. It's like he's internalizing his own pain and then externalizing it on other people. In the yeah. sense that he was burned on the inside and now he's burning other people. On the outside. On the outside. And then on the inside if it goes deep enough. Ideally. But it takes yeah. it takes a while. It's it's not something that like goes through flesh like a bullet. It's you got to no. get one layer at a time. Yeah. You got to cook it away. Cook it away, cook it away, cook it away now. What I got, I got to give it to you, spooks. <laughs> this is our worst episode. And by that, this I mean our worst episode. episode. It's either one or the other and nothing in between. Um, so you, what do you, you think? Could about- always, you can always tell when Peter and I have had a lot of guests on in succession. Uh, not that we don't love our guests, but we really, if, if we do a bunch of, in a row of just Peter and me, we we figure it out. But if it's like it's like a weird like no parents, <laughs> let's just eat all the candy we can. We're gonna stay up all night. <laughs> <laughs> um, but how do you feel about the fact that Cropsy is the whole movie is set up as and framed as a campfire story oh yeah it starts with it starts with the cropsy story an origin story which every campfire story has to start with something like that they have to give you a little bit of background on the killer because it's not a movie you have to tell people details about the killer to let people kind of know what he looks like and and you give evocative details and big broad details and like there's a sort of tales from the crypt-esque twist ending where uh todd our protagonist who seems to have like a you know mostly a good head on his shoulder though he does have a soft spot for creeps with uh alfred um todd ended up being the kid one of the kids that burned cropsy from the beginning which is sort of a tales from the crypt ending yeah um todd winning at the end isn't really a tales from the crypt ending but and then it ends with another group of kids basically telling the whole movie as a campfire story. What do you, what do you make of that? Uh, I liked it. Um, I liked it. It's this idea that the, the tale keeps building and I could see if there was a sequel to this movie, like this getting added to the legend of Cropsy. But when they went back to go find the body in a barn, he wasn't there. And it just kind of keeps building this more than most horror movies set at a camp is about like the camp experience. It's why we get so much camp times and about the dynamics of the different kids and how there's a bully, but like the bully still in the group. Cause you guys are essentially in prison together with people like 24 hours a day. You don't have the opportunity when there's like, you know, 20 high school kid ages, uh, <laughs> weird, like fringyak thing. Kid ages. <laughs> uh, when you have like 20, high school aged kids they're all good and that are around each other 24 hours a day for weeks and weeks and weeks like it's why they get pissed at people but then are like still friends with them because what else you can do i love that i love that i wrote that down there's a realism to the wildness of this camp like 
it's really believable, like, especially how, like, you hang out with people after making enemies with them, because when you're a teenager, you have a really, like, hard problem with having healthy conflict. Like, yep. it's either all screaming and yelling and talking behind people's backs, or it's, it's like, you have a big fight with somebody and then you just fucking bury it because you don't know how to talk about your feelings. One of the more uh, true moments that, like, and less rapey moments of, like... Uh, you know, the boys and the girls, like, are very friendly with each other, but they also kind of separate into groups. And they kind of talk, and then there's, like, some of the guys are like, I don't know how to approach this. And then there's obviously the one confident guy who just swims over and talks to him. And then everyone else is like, well, if I can't have that level of confidence, what if we humiliate that guy? Like, so a lot of those kind of, like, dynamics between kids, especially kids that are all stuck together, feel very true to life. And this movie is about that. This movie is about kids at camp in a way that a lot of these camp movies are not about. The camp horror movies are not about. Like, Friday the 13th is about, like, uh, sexually active kids being irresponsible. It just happens to take place at a camp. Sleepaway Camp is about – I don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't seen it, but – a lot of other things, a lot of stuff, <laughs> but but not ne- while it, while it very. Much I still take- hold Sleepaway Camp behind the spoiler wall for some reason. Like, yeah, because I don't want to ruin it on like another podcast. Because when I saw it, I didn't know the ending, and I didn't see it till it got that essential viewing from the dissolve. I hadn't seen it, and I went back and watched it. And I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. But um, so this, but this feels like more than most horror movies set at a camp, that this is a movie about a su- summer camp. And so I do think the framing all works because this idea of a ghost story, which gets told to these kids, uh, and then it just kind of builds from there at the end, where now this part of it becomes a new ghost story, a new camp. I mean, that is such a critical part of of camp and the way that they don't just um, tell the story, the way they have one of the other, you know, one of the other kids is in on it and he dresses up and he freaks the fuck out of the kids um, as part of the ghost story. Like that feels all very true to, if not life, like the dynamics and the stereotypical dynamics of like what being at a camp in your you know, early te- early to mid teens is like, and and uh, just to sidebar real quick, my bloody Valentine. I think the reason I also really like that is it builds really believable dynamics out of the characters, and I hate that cliche of horror movies that like, hey, it doesn't matter. Like, we need to know that we actually like these characters. That's not actually true. It's way more complicated than that. But it is really interesting when you're watching a movie like this, and you actually do. If you don't like the characters, at least you believe that they're real people and real people should not suffer this fate. Yeah, they. you're right. Like some of them are shitty. Some of them are not. But none of them feel – horror movies rely on um, like basic character tropes so often. It's why like Cabin in the Woods, it's the whole thing, right? You're yeah, Cabin in the Woods is about, is about forcing those people yeah. into those roles despite the fact that they're actually not those people. Exactly. But like the reason why that movie could be about that and everyone understood it is because that is the whole – there's the pretty person. There's the promiscuous person. There's the hunk. There's the jock. There's the nerd. There's the bookish person. Like those are all of the like – you know, character assignments for horror movies so that I don't know if the idea is that like you can see yourself in individual people or just to like, let's put all these different stereotypes in a bowl and mix them all together. And that's our 
like uh, personal dysfunction dynamic that we can have people recognize where this movie doesn't have that. Like there's like an asshole, but there's like two assholes. It it, it gives you so much characters, partially because it's going to kill a lot of them off in one in one swoop, but it, it's not trying to fit them into any sort of general stereotype. And again, the fact that like, you know, the fact that the Fisher Stevens and the Alfreds are friends with the um, with the New York bullies at the end of the day, even though they constantly, you know, shit on each other, also feels very true to life, too. Yeah, especially in a camp, which, you know, a camp is really just a microcosm of a school. So, Peter, any other things that we didn't get a chance to talk about? I mean, one... I think we knew this was going to be kind of a shorter episode than normal, not just because we have a whole other episode to record, but this is just a really well done horror movie. It definitely is not something that lends itself to a ton of necessarily discussion besides like, hey, holy shit, this is an easy one for it to pass you by. You should go watch it because it's kind of all the other stuff we already talked about. Like, this is such a interesting diversion from where the genre ended up ultimately going that gave us all the tropes we know about like slasher movies yeah it, it doesn't and, and what's funny is that from it like i said from an outsider perspective it doesn't look like a diversion at all it looks like it's just another one in the mill the actual level of skill and craft that goes into this thing really separates it and what's interesting is that the killer up until basically the last scene uses one weapon yep which is in Halloween, it's interesting. Actually, in Halloween, he uses a, a garret and a knife, I guess. Um, and he chokes one of them, I think. Um, but anyway. Actually, so, and the strongest weapon of all is harsh words. His harsh, his harsh words. He eviscerated a woman for yeah. her, <laughs> her terrible 70s bell bottoms. Um, and she just uh, turned into a pumpkin. She just shrunk down and down and down. And Yeah, I think you're combining a few movies, but generally I think you got it. Yeah, I've never seen uh, Halloween before. Um, just kidding. Okay. Um, but yeah, but in, in Halloween, it's clearly a, it's clearly a, like, uh, it's about the tension. There's a very small group of victims, like all that. In Friday the 13th, they have to come up with wild, wacky ways to kill people. Well, and then in Nightmare on Elm Street, which came out obviously much later in the 80s and 87, then they're like, what if the, the killer has a lot to say? Yes. Right? Yes. Like, because yes. instead of these silent killers, like, I don't think Cropsey says a line in this movie. I mean, and he's not in a lot of it. Again, this is not one of the other big diversions from most horror movies that we kind of alluded to is that you normally – that stretch between when Cropsey pops out of that boat, or uh, sorry, kills um, Michelle, and the stretch when you see the back of his head leaving the hospital is 45 minutes. There is not like him peeking in the bushes. There are like a couple camera perspectives that make you kind of think that it's it's like very quick and short, and it's only at one other point in that 45-minute stretch. So he disappears – and you get a lot of the tension from just knowing that this is coming back at some point, but you don't need more than that. You don't need the constant like, here's Jason like walking up to the person and then getting really close, but then some other one comes over and he's like, I'll, I'll bide my time a little bit for this <laughs> murder and yes. then walks away. It's like, it doesn't have psych outs. Um, no, it, do it doesn't really. It never feels cheap. 
there's no cat moments really. Yeah. Um there's one moment where you think Cropsy might be coming in, but if especially on the So what, that's the one I'm can, talking about. That the yeah. The, yeah. You think it but you but if you're on the Blu-ray, you can definitely tell it's just Todd. Yeah. Maybe on like a really scratchy 35 millimeter print, like a really scratchy one, it would be like, oh, I can't really tell what that outline is. It or would, if you had maybe... been blind from birth. <laughs> but like the movie's like, the movie's like, this isn't a jump scare or this isn't a fake out if you can put context clues together. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, it and even that, there's not really, it's not even really a jump scare because he just walks into frame. You just are like... Because they're doing um, the following uh, Fisher Stevens from like far away, but that's like the only moment. Otherwise, there it's not like when they're all jumping and being kids or at camp. Like you look through the window and you're like, "There he is, watching, <laughs> biting, watching, waiting, co-spookerating." <laughs> Say it ain't so. The cows are not in the barn. <laughs> How will I ever get milk again? Na, na, na. <laughs> moo, 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 moo. This is all um, leading to a song parody podcast. <laughs> um, I assure everyone that we're not that drunk. We just are that dumb. We, um, which is oh, like yeah. being drunk all the time. Always think of uh, our actions. I mean, we have to work in the morning. Uh, we we never get as drunk as you probably think we do on this show. <laughs> it really um, is like we have a couple drinks. It's almost like I drink uh, – th- for me, it's the caffeine more than anything because I have a full job and I have two kids. And we're in the process of packing our house for moving. So everything I do is a weird days of, 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 of activity. Though I will say when I'm and moving, you I drink, have mo- a I drink dog. more because I'm like, well, I earned this. <laughs> Yeah, Daddy Daddy gets his uh, yum yum juice today. Um, So, final thoughts on the burning. We're final thoughts already. Holy shit! We have a whole nother. It's we're ninety minutes in. Yeah, I know. In terms of we were we had a very silly we had a very silly episode here. But in terms of execution, this thing is just it just clicks. Uh, The way that it uses POV shots is actually pretty different from Black Christmas and Halloween. In that it. Actually, you're not clear if it's supposed to be a POV shot. Yes, and it doesn't just use the, P- the strictly a literal POV shot. It also uses shots that sort of imitate other voyeuristic views of the action, and it makes you feel like he's everywhere. Because Cropsy knows these woods. This was this is these were his woods, um, and that sort of like level of craft, I think, speaks to the whole movie as as, as a whole. It's. In a lot of ways, there's dialogue that I think is a little clumsy. Sometimes it's great. Like, there's some character interaction stuff that goes on, particularly related to gender stuff that I really love. Like, when a, a character, Michelle says, uh, or uh, the lead camp counselor is saying to Eddie, his girlfriend is scared of him. And the way she communicates that is actually, like, pretty vision. She just says... She's scared of you, Eddie. <laughs> like, it's a it's a really great little moment that kind of speaks to, to me, what the movie has going for it, which is um, believable characters and a, a genuine sense of drama and dread that goes through the whole thing that makes a lot of people feel uneasy. And, and, it, and it speaks to why we like watching these teen horror movies and these camp horror movies. 
teen horror movies are scary for two reasons. One, you're just as scared of the killer sometimes as you are of your own social rejection and your your own. And you'll put yourself in in risk for the killer to, you know, look like a good boyfriend or to make sure you go see your friends when you're supposed to or whatever. Right. And on the other side of that, high school is all about that sort of bottle effect. Everybody gets shoved in together with everybody else. Like it doesn't matter. All you have in common is where you live and your age. That's why these movies are so interesting because they get a bunch of disparate groups of people together. And this one just feels like a very believable group of people. So when the tragedy steps in and it's a very well-executed tragedy, I think it's just like one of the best slasher movies I've ever seen. Yeah, I I, I actually I have no problem co-signing that without like conditions of like best 80s slasher movies but it is just one of the best like straight slasher horror movies i've seen it is surprising the acting is great a lot of people in this movie did go on to do some really um great stuff and it feels almost forgotten it sucks that the only way to watch this right now is to essentially buy the blu-ray it's worth it i i peter ended up blind buying it for this watch uh, and I'm, I, he de- he does not seem to regret it because uh, it, it is really great. Um, but I, I I didn't even I don't even remember how I heard about this because I definitely I think someone uh, in some online group posted about it in like right before, when I was making my Spooktober list and at the time it was on Amazon Prime and I was like oh this looks interesting. I will watch it, but it had completely been off my radar for 32 years or whatever it was. So, if you've never heard of this, if you haven't really uh, sought it out, it's just – and I keep saying April Fool's Day, but that was the other one. I had heard of that one but kind of rolled my eyes at a, oh, look, another holiday ripoff. But I I feel like those are two of the most underappreciated slasher movies of the 80s, and I highly recommend – you get it out there much. I'll, I'll definitely say, like, I haven't seen all the Friday 13th movies, but this is better than any Friday 13th movie I've seen. I can't it's think far of more many, interesting I can't than think of any of them. Yeah. And I, I like Friday 13th for, like, dumb, fun movies. But when it comes down to, like, actually really good slasher movies, that list is pretty pretty short. They're like, oh, this is fun and dumb and a good way to spend 80 minutes is different from, like, this is a really effective horror movie. And a lot of slasher movies don't rise to that trying to be anything more than like kind of a dumb good time. And this one, whether it tried to or not, or was just trying to, you know, get some money from that sweet, sweet camp horror obsession that was sweeping the nation with the hula hoop and the twist and spook related pa- song parodies. But regardless, they, re- they really did make uh, a great movie. And I hope the people behind this movie are in jail. Unrelated. <laughs> Unrelated to the movie. You know, I hope they're in jail. great movie love what great movie i hope uh the two major people involved in this movie go to jail for the rest of their lives uh peter we have one more camp movie i think we're both very excited uh, about the best is best camp movie best movie yes i am so excited to watch it again i've seen it a few times i think we're gonna have a lot to talk about or we'll just quote a bunch of lines from the movie I also think there's a there's a serious chance that our episode on Wet Hot American Summer somehow is less goofy than this one. But regardless, next week, Anthony Pizzo and Wet Hot American Summer is going to ramp up our camp month. And then we're on to winter because I live in Minnesota. Um, and, for, and for you, there was no change because you live in San Diego. 
And for me, there was no change. <laughs> the seasons came and went without Peter noticing. Yeah, you're living in your own personal Groundhog Day. Yeah. Uh, Weather-wise. Mm-hmm. I'm living in my own private spookaho. <laughs> my own spooky Idaho. Drugstore spook boy? <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> Um, uh yeah so that's it we're, we're done <laughs> that's it. end of the episode good night have a spooky night <laughs> <laughs>to we love to watch thank you so much for listening to our show and we've got just a few quick announcements for you there ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs baby if you'd like to talk to us uh tell us we're stupid tell us we're beautiful the quickest way to get to us is our facebook group facebook.com slash we love to watch or our website, wltwpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available if you don't use iTunes. We're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, Tune in. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again, above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.